This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Faith Hunter's Blood Cross, and Nick read In a Badger Way by Shelley Lawrenston. Also, Katie's here. Welcome to Bibliovile, the last Bibliovile of the season. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And also... Katie Twaddle! Katie Yay, Twaddle! Katie. With last name. We are here, all three of us, trying very hard to speak into one microphone to bring you the last Bibliovile of the season before this here baby pops out into the world. We're going to have a baby, like, it's, very soon. Mick is convinced we're going to have a baby tomorrow. It's very weird, and also, I'm probably wrong, because I often am. But we had Katie over just to have her over, because she's a wonderful person. Aww. Aww. Uh, and thought, why not just go ahead and uh, bring her on in for the world's second uh, live bibliovile. Uh, Lauren did done Broke Our Cherry on this one, as she has done so many people before us. But Lauren read a book. No, the first one she got us our two books she helped each one of us pick out the other two books right and and katie here is just form fresh has not seen hide nor hair you know i may not be great at taking cherries but i'm great as a follow-up so (laughs) it's all fine sloppy seconds katie twaddle here we go with with uh susan having blood cross a jane yellow rock novel uh which i picked Knowing it was probably our last episode, which it definitely is our last episode because uh, conferences have delayed this episode a week. Yeah. Uh, And so, like, literally, definitely by two weeks from now, we will have a baby because of inducement. Yeah. Like, no matter what happens, if I go into labor on my own or not, two weeks from now, we will have a baby. Weird. But I picked this book because it seems like the most possible bibliophile book I've ever seen in my life. Uh, And so I said, what a way to close out a season. I'm pretty sure Mick read the first six words on the back of the book and was like, yeah, this'll do. Because the description on the back of the book starts with the Vampire Council of New Orleans. That is, I'm not joking, <laughs> exactly how I found it. Because I had five words to say to those six words. Of course there's a council. Of course there's a council. There's always a council. I think it's also important to note the cover of this yeah. book. Yeah, Katie, I'm going to need you to tell us more about that cover right there. Let's see. So we we have a very fun uh, ombre style with black fading into orange, fading into red for the background with um, maybe like some Greek-in style architecture in the The mausoleums of New Orleans. Okay, well, I haven't. I'm not cultured. I haven't been to New Orleans. I wouldn't know that. Uh, Nolens, please. (laughs) Nolens. And then a motorcycle. And then in front of that motorcycle is a woman in a chair corset with a leather jacket and almost looks like a handcuff bandolier and a gun on her shoulder and a knife in her hand. And Um, I think you're forgetting Katie. Titties. Gigantic titties. She definitely has, this is uh, a chain corset is a good way of putting it, but it's not the type of corset that includes a bra. It is the type of corset that explicitly excludes a bra. Yeah. And so she has to bring a bra of her own. And the bra of her own she picked is a push-up uh, leather bra. 
that she has affixed to her uh, body before she slicked her hair down as tightly as possible. And she has a big gun. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> so, tell me about uh, the person who has a cross to bear, Jane Yellowrock. Okay, so I am 99% sure that we have read a Faith Hunter book before. Sounds about right. Because I'm pretty sure that when, I think you read one, because I didn't find it on my book list that I of books that I've read, but I'm pretty sure I got one for you. Because I remember reading the name of the book for the intro and reading the name Faith Hunter as Faith Hunter <laughs> like it was the title of the book because it could be. Yeah. Um, she has a series about seraphs. That's probably that sounds it. That sounds so- like something we've read before. As a, one of the frequent listeners of Bibliophile, Seraphs is definitely a, yeah, something that we've talked about before. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we've read a book by this author before, but this is a different series. This is not about Seraphs. This is about vamps. We oh. never vamps. We never call them vampires. You will not find the word vampires anywhere in this book. They are always vamps. Now, is that like a fun acronym for something, or is it just nope. okay. very just, just short for acrimonious randy personas? Ooh, that okay. would be VARPs. <laughs> Not very, very assy. <laughs> very, uh, what's the word for love? There's a word out there. Amorous. Very amorous male werewolves. <laughs> That also, that's why do I keep putting it Why do I keep putting Vampers. Very amorous male penises. There you go. Yeah. Um, so this is peak bibliophile. There's a council. It is a shifter versus the vampires, and it's set in New Orleans. Very so nice. like, aren't vampires also a category of shifter though? Because don't they turn into bats? Does that okay? That is not consistent, though, because sometimes vampires can turn into bats, but in some book universes, they don't. Like, I don't know if the Twilight ones ever shift into bats. In this one, they, I don't think they turn into bats. Okay. But uh, our main character uh, has a cat inside her that she turns into sometimes, <laughs> and the cat's name is Beast. Okay, but the main female character, correct? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So the main female character's got a pussy inside of her? She sure does, She Katie. sure does, baby. Yeah. Um, she also, Jane Yellowrock, needs a rock garden in order to shift because, <laughs> this is a direct quote, I exchanged mass with stone when I shifted into an animal whose genetic structure and size were vastly different from my own. <laughs> and there have been times... In this podcast, where we have lamented the fact that they never explain how shifting works. I don't know that I want it if this is the explanation. I think that's the worst possible explanation. Like, okay, why do you need a rock garden? Have we read Faith Hunter before? Yeah, we read the book Seraphs. It was the one where it's a post-apocalyptic ice age and it's a woman with St. Croix as her last name. Oh, and yeah. There's an angel that's being held hostage and succubi and a dragon. So Sounds you know right. the general the general thing. So I've not I've been checked out trying to find this. Uh, there wouldn't happen to be some sort of uh, explanation of how shifting works in here, would there? <laughs> I'm I, just kidding. I heard the okay. whole thing. It's rocks. <laughs> it's rocks. Is it? Is that she, one of the four elements? of stone? No, I don't think so. She just needs something to uh, exchange mass with. 
because her genetic structure and size is vastly different than that of beasts. Take that, Einstein! <laughs> and they're not like special rocks, like crystals that no, you have to recharge. They're just, rock. It's just a rock garden. Cool. Yeah. Uh, here's our main character. I'm Jane Yellowrock, traveling rogue vamp hunter. In this paper, I will. <laughs> Skinwalk in hiding, skinwalker in hiding, and occasionally <gasps> muscle for hire. <laughs> I know how to fight, how to protect myself, and how to use the array of weapons that were currently under lock and key in my bedroom, safe from the attention of the children. She lives with her best friend and her best friend's kids. Oh, I thought that was going to be capital C children. <laughs> oh, I damn. wasn't so good at understanding humans or witches or vampires, and I sucked at social situations, but this gig in New Orleans was giving me a chance to learn a lot about all that. And about myself. Hey, that is honestly why a lot of people go to New Orleans. <laughs> to learn about themselves? Well, also, that, to find about social situations yeah. and people. Her name is Yellow Rock, and she transforms using rocks. So Maybe her, uranium. her last name is Yellow Rock because it's Cherokee. Because <gasps> another, appropriate. another thing well, that we she's... We don't know who this person is. Uh, Faith Hunter is white. Ah. I Googled it. Uh... This character, Jane Yellowrock, uh, is also in New Orleans to learn more about her Cherokee heritage. Ah, uh, of course, the New Orleans Cherokees. <laughs> From uh, a Cherokee elder named Aggie One Feather. Because we have to be as stereotypical as we possibly can be, Yikes. which is fun. Wouldn't it be great if it's like this Cherokee elder named Greg Johnson <laughs> because it's traced through the paternal line and it's just some guy like, hey, what's up? Like, it's a hobby of mine. Because that's how uh, it would really work. Uh, so she is, she's going down to the streets because she's got a colleague who lives on the streets that's helping her find these rogue vamps. And it's a Mardi Gras And situation. this is her uh, description of the streets. The place smelled better than last time. The hurricane having washed away the odors of urine, garbage, <gasps> cooked cabbage, rats, roaches, and deep fried foods. The smells of poverty in a food stamp diet. Mm. I passed a heavily graffitied sign that might have said uh, public housing at one time. We like, don't have time to unpack all of you that. Could, you could easily make a joke if she was by like Bourbon Street about like, Puke. it rained recently and it washed away the smell of vomit and piss. And like, sure, because it's Bourbon Street and no one's going to be offended by that because yeah. it's objectively true. Yeah, I was in actual New Orleans and boy, oh boy, did it get rid of the stench of black signifiers. Like, Jesus, book. Yeah, it, so like, it, it gets problematic and it gets there quick. Uh, her colleague that she's meeting down in the streets refers to her as Engine Princess. <gasps> and at one point she goes to a sweat lodge. I hate it. It's I, real bad. Let's go back and read Seraphs again. <laughs> and it like the author did this whole thing in the back in the acknowledgments about how she really tried to learn about the heritage of the Cherokee people so that she could write about it accurately. And I'm like, you no. did a bad job, Faith. Sorry. You, you didn't do a very you know, good job. You know who should write uh, uh, urban fantasy about Cherokee people? Cherokee people? Cherokee people should probably write uh, uh, urban fantasy about Cherokee people. Like, it's one thing to have a Cherokee person in your novel yeah. if you're a white person. It's another thing to be like, you know who? <laughs> I really want to be that protagonist. Hero's Journey. Yep. From uh, New World back to Old World that's different. Cherokee person. You bet. Uh, here's some world building about the vamps, though. 
According to police records, vamps hadn't been totally in the closet in certain cities across the globe. That's the Even- worst fucking sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm going away. <laughs> it gets better. According to police records, vamps hadn't been totally in the closet in certain cities across the globe, even before the famous staking of Marilyn Monroe by the Secret Service in the Oval Office while she was trying to turn President Kennedy. All right, it's won me back. (laughs) Like, it's one thing to write back. We all hate that. But Marilyn Monroe was a vampire that was trying to get Kennedy to be a vampire. I'm in. I'm in. I'm back in. Faith Hunter, you can do very few wrongs. Uh, we also, so in addition to the vamps and the skinwalkers, we have blood servants, (laughs) (laughs) uh, blood servants and, uh, what's the other one? Blood servants and blood slaves. So familiars? But not two familiars. Most blood servants carry the scent of only one vamp, the result of the bonding that takes place over time. Capital B bonding. No. Damn it. There's no capitals in this. It's a bummer. A blood New servant. New Orleans is the shit. No, it's not. Not even vamps? No. Baton a blood Rouge is the capital of Louisiana. A blood <laughs> servant and a vamp stay together for decades, the servant providing a safe and constant supply of blood, emotional stability, and other services. <laughs> Those who <laughs> might... <laughs> the idea of a vamp coming home and the blood servant being like, hey. Yeah. An emotional support blood servant. <laughs> That's like, literally what it is. So you're telling me that the vamp comes home and he's like, hey, how's it How's it like for real? Are you doing okay how's out there, it, buddy? How's it going? Yeah. And the vamp's We're like, in- I'm telling you, it's just hard. Let me suck some blood. And you're like, hey, no, but for real, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, it's summertime. I know it gets hard for you. Get that seasonal <laughs> anti-depression. <laughs> oh, no. Those services it's really which might... Much light. <laughs> the, uh... Those services which might in a human household be fulfilled by lovers, employees, and paid servants. Services that the pair mutually agree upon in return for a living wage and tiny sips of vamp blood. Wrong! Living wage my ass. The (laughs) sips keep the servants younger, healthier, and assure a long and vigorous life, assuming that they survive any rages, grieving, or other mental snaps by the vamp. So that's a blood servant. Here's a blood slave. A blood slave has a similar but more casual arrangement and may be passed around within a clan, therefore smelling like multiple vamps, but usually only one clan. Blood junkies were a big step below, making themselves available at parties for most anything the vamps wanted, from a quick meal to a quick lay. Well, I gotta tell you, that was better than I thought it was gonna go, which was blood slaves didn't just measure up and their craniums were far too small to ever qualify. I mean, the way that Faith Hunter started off this book, I would not have been surprised. Uh, We also have a character named Bethany. Uh, Bethany is one of the oldest vamps in New Orleans. And her name is Bethany. Her name is Bethany. My name is (laughs) Bethany St. Croix. She was an African shaman. So, and her name is Bethany. Uh, <laughs> you know it's going to go well. Beth- I was born Bethany O'Toole in Ghana. Bethany said, I was shaman of the Odoranth tribe, a peaceful farming people. Her face fell, nearly human pain in her expression, and her voice carried the weight of old dusty pain when she said, we were destroyed by the Maasai long before they were called the Maasai in the mountains of what is now southeastern Africa. I blinked and a picture of grass, burned huts, bodies on the ground, bloody and hacked, flashed over the backs of my lids and was gone, leaving only the memory of ancient agony and grief. Like, we're just going to be problematic and stereotypical about 
any group of people that we can mention now, aren't well, we? African people went to war. There's That's fair to say. No, but my question is, why do we need that? Because Bethany is not really a character Her in name this. is Bethany. We yeah, just have fair. this for no reason. <laughs> well, you would think if a African shaman was in... Shaman was uh, uh, in New Orleans, she would have a more traumatic tale as to how she got there would probably yeah. be the traumatic tale. But instead they chose, no, but you see, like, black people were, like, enslaving other black people. And the Irish really were the first slaves. Uh, at one point... <laughs> anyway. I'm just going to move on from that. At one point, oh, uh, she has a longtime Latino cab driver who is always happy to work overtime just for the opportunity to take her places and watch her eat. Um, okay, so when I was in high school, I had a friend <laughs> who would get rides from male individuals uh-huh. uh, for the pleasure of watching her eat burritos. So, like, I get that, but there's a lot to unpack there, and that was in high school. I got free rides from a guy in high school in exchange for uh, tutoring him in Spanish. He was three years older than me, and... <laughs> Couldn't you pass Spanish one. him and you knew it. I did smooch him. It was great. Then it wasn't for the Spanish, Susan. <laughs> I mean. You want to know what else right. that tongue do? <laughs> Not quite that much. Um, our primary black character has, this is a quote, jailhouse tattoos and went undercover with the Crips. Is there is there a stereotype we don't just filled to the brim in this book. I'm guessing there's at least one race which remains beyond stereotyping. Try to guess which race uh, gets a diverse cast of characters of variety of origins. <laughs> well, the the vamps get kind of a funny stereotype that their houses are always uh, covered in lots of real fur because vamps like lounging on dead things. I actually thought that was kind of funny. It's not terrible. <laughs> but the point I was trying to make is I bet there's a lot of good and evil and funny and oh, sure and boring. White characters. White characters. Yeah, 100% yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, oh, here's a fun bit of uh, vamp lore for you. Vamps exist because Judas Iscariot's children used wood from the cross of Christ along with the other two crosses uh, to revive Judas. He was undead and then they ate his flesh and drank his blood and they became the original vamps and were called the Sons of Darkness. That's so just, not terrible. Just to start, though, how do you revive someone using wood? I don't know, magic? Well, it, there were, like, magical properties in it because it was the cross of Christ. Okay, I was imagining, like, CPR. Oh, God. <laughs> like, like, slapping someone with a piece of wood. I was like, how does that work? I do enjoy the idea that the other two crosses were also holy, as if the millions of other crosses that the Romans had well, crucifixed. No, so that's the point is that it like all of the wood got jumbled together. Mm. So they would have been able to like fully revive him if it had just been the cross of Christ. Mm. But because it was also the crosses of a thief and a murderer, he was undead. I thought they were both thieves, quite frankly. Well, um, one of them like begged for forgiveness or yeah. something. Whatever. We don't have to go full Catholic school half it is, reminiscence it's here. It's just really interesting that they're like, instead of just picking like, we are going to pull from Cherokee traditions or African traditions it's or Christian traditions, like we're going to have a grab bag of all of it, which is kind of New Orleans, I guess. A like, little bit. I like yeah. that it avoids Transylvania. 
Um, <laughs> I also appreciate that one's a little played out. <clears throat> I also appreciate that it wasn't Ham uh, or the son of Cain that that got to be a vampire afterwards. That's a nice little change. It was of pace. it was Judas's kids. Mm, yep. Yeah, Judas is scary. A different religious fuck up. Uh, the group of black men that she works is with is that why Wood kills him. Because it's the Antichrist. It's like you're getting crucified all over again. Maybe. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, The group of black men that she works with uh, are described as always smelling like fast food grease and weed. Hey, I've heard, I've had Tinder dates describe me worse. Oh, God. Um, One of the black characters calls her a white chick and she says, I'm part of an enslaved, seriously abused, cheated, (laughs) lied to, and ripped off minority. Two if you count that I'm female. Hmm. which is a rough sentence to write and publish in your book. In his defense, the guy responds, pardon me if we don't bleed for you, babe. Like, <laughs> I guess maybe the character's wrong. wrong. His response is Maybe good, yeah. the character's yeah. wrong. Um, I have not really shared any of the actual plot of Who this book. Who gives a shit? So just to... <laughs> just Was to there plot is Briefly, the I mean, sure, I guess. Uh, the overall plot is that Jane Yellow Rock was hired by the Blood Master of New Orleans. Wait, is the Blood Master of New Orleans trying to fight the Crips from earlier? (laughs) Yes. It's me. I'm the Crip Master, which frankly is spookier than I thought it would sound. What a coincidence to hunt rogue vamps and find out who's creating them. Eventually, the evil vamps steal her best friend Molly's kids to Molly. use in a ritual. Molly's a witch, so they're looking for witch kids. Molly Malficam, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jane works with New Orleans police to find them. She saves the kids. She prevents a vampire coup. And then she winds up dating a cop. Ah, gross. You had yeah. me until then. Um, The one thing that I thought was like, actually kind of like unique about this book cops are blood masters (laughs) (laughs) um because this like this was pure bibliophile through yeah uh the one thing that was actually kind of unique is that like when it comes to the shifting beast was like a separate character and a separate voice from jane so it was like when she shifted, she was letting Beast take over. I forgot she shifted, to be completely <laughs> yeah, honest with you. that's fair. There was a lot that happened in the last uh, 21 minutes that we've been talking about I'll this book. stay. Um, but, like, Beast is, like, her own separate character. Mm. And so even when Jane is in human form, she'll, like, have mental conversations with Beast. Much like She-Hulk. Um, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From, From last week, week ago, yeah. yeah. Um... And so, like, that was actually kind of interesting and a little unique compared to other shift, the many other shifter books <laughs> that we have read in the last seven years of doing this the podcast. Other oh, Christ, I've turned to dust. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that, was a, that was a good pick, Dickinson. Thank Blood you. Cross by Faith Hunter. That was just pure, unadulterated bibliophile. Oh, she likes to... Um, have five knives strapped to her legs when she can because it's like beasts five claws i thought it was because of the burger chain (laughs) five knives five uh let's go get some five knives i'm kind of high let's get some five knives um so yeah you uh you knocked it out of the park with this one dickinson how was 
Shelly Lawrenston's in a badger way. Well, Susan, I got to tell you that you've picked me what is definitely now my last pre-baby bibliophile book. Yeah. Which means it is probably my last book. (laughs) Forever. You're never going to read ever again. And frankly, I couldn't be happier about it because it is Shelley Lawrenson in a badger way. And Susan, why'd you pick me this book to get a little serious at the mid-roll? Okay. So we, two years ago, had the worst fall we've ever had. Uh, it was a terrible stretch of like don't, four don't weeks. Don't chop at my bit that I'm about to talk about. And we were, I was very sad. And to try to make life a little bit better, Mick uh, came home one day and he was like, uh, while I was running errands, I made one extra stop. At this point, we had been on hiatus from Bibliovile for several months. We hadn't done an episode in a long time. And he says, I got something for you. And he throws a book at me. And I don't remember what the book was. Uh... And then the next day I went to the library and he was like, I think it's time that we resurrect Bibliovile and I think it'll make us both happy and it'll be a fun thing to do. And I get, that was the, the season premiere of season two. And I got you hot and badgered, which you unironically loved. I read it. It was great. You have since suggested we read it for book club. Yeah. It's the perfect urban fantasy book. Cause it's so fucking stupid. And it's amazing. So to get a little bit serious at the mid-roll, I feel like us and several others have felt stuck in an eternal present ever since March of 2020, that everything is just happening right now. And there's not really that much to, there's no, there's, it's just not happening. It's all stuck. And I just want to take the time out to say that as the second season is wrapping up at about exactly the same amount of episodes as the first one did, which the first one, the first season we did not release regularly for mm-hmm. most of it. We were in your walk-in closet in Ames, for Christ's sakes. And this one we've more or less, uh, this episode, uh, you know, excluded, released pretty regularly. So we are wrapping up 50 weeks at about exactly two years, which is, or 50 episodes, as about exactly two years, which is pretty great. And two years ago, we were terribly depressed. Our dog had major surgery. You had a broken ankle. I was getting over a pretty significant illness and we decided to re-upload or restart Bibliovile because it it's just fucking fun. Yeah. It's so stupid. And it it's just fucking fun. Joy. Um, and so it's like, what do we do when we're sad? It's like, I don't know, we could read terrible books. Which is uh I don't want to get away with this. A terrible weird choice. For yeah, our it's a weird it's a weird choice that we've made. And then we read uh in a I read Hot and Badgered and it was so much fucking fun and it reminded me of how terrible or how good terrible books can be and it was a grand old time. And then uh in March of twenty twenty when everything collapsed, we all went uh underground and we continued to read uh, bibliovile books and we started trying to get pregnant and it didn't happen for us for a very long time and now we are sitting what I am estimating as one day away from birth for you what medicine is uh, estimating at a week away from birth and at most two weeks away from birth and it's just I just want to reflect on it's been a fucking time, you know? It's, been it's a good. Time. I feel like this podcast has gotten us through some rough times and now into some good ones. Yeah. So as we take a break for the for the season, we've got some amount of plans. It's not going to maybe fill the whole time, I'm sorry to say. But as we we take a break for the season, it, it's for a good reason. So we just appreciate you being here 
over the whole thing. I'm sorry to get serious at the mid-roll, but I was going to forget to do it if it was at the end. Especially you, Katie. Especially you, Katie. Hi. And you're actually, like, physically here this time. So yeah. So this is even better. Just like a physical representation of support. Anyway, as the season has closed out, to get unserious, as the season has closed out, Susan, you have pitched dud after dud at Dickinson here. I have, I have been on a horrible track record with books. I keep getting you books that are good. On accident, yeah. And then you got me the Shelly Lawrenson book. Like, that was going to break the streak. Okay, no. I knew this one was going to be good, but I also was willing to bet that it was going to be crazy and fun. Yeah, so um, two weeks, I don't know how many episodes ago, two episodes ago, I think you got me Sweet Potato Queens, which was a sort of just literary take on uh what southern women do as they get older you know and then uh one week ago or one episode ago you got me she hulk she hulk which is a semi-literary take on a woman's super ego fighting her id for control and now you got me in a badger way by shelly lawrenson which somehow finds a fucking way in a shifter <laughs> universe to be just a sort of semi-literary stroll about town, take your time, get to know the characters, have a good time romp. Was it's, it great? It's pretty fun because I like the characters and she's a funny, fun writer, but it's not crazy. Aww. After the last one, it should be crazy. There's basically not, I don't know if I've just become inured, but there's not really that much plot. And it's just... Them and their cronies hanging out. Imagine... Yeah, but that sounds fun, though. Yeah, it's a good time. Don't get me wrong. It's just not crazy. Like, imagine if Otherworld had a sort of, like, Song of Susanna from the Gunslinger novels where it's just, like, everyone you've gotten to meet over the past couple books just gets to fuck around and go about their daily life. At one point, they have a karaoke contest. <laughs> And it's funny, wait, wait. and it's good. So, okay, I'm I'm trying to think of what our three main characters... Mm. Katie, good. I'm, I'm going to ask you to help me out here. Oh, yeah, big test. Okay, so our three main characters, it's the three sisters. The McKilligans. The oldest one. Are we talking about Charlie. Hot and Badgered, or are we talking Hot about... Hot and Badgered. Okay. It's the same three. Okay, Hot, Charlie, oldest sister, who the first one was about. Very, like, kind of the mom figure. Very mom. Very, one of my favorite characters in fiction still. Okay. Uh, middle sister, batshit crazy. Yes. Abigail. Uh, no. Stephanie. It's a, it, they're all men's names. Tyler. Stevie? Max. No, Max. Stevie's the youngest Stevie's one. Stevie's the youngest, which is uh, who this book is about. Stevie's the youngest one. Kind of anxious, was a musician. Not just kind of anxious, like panic disorder. Yeah, panic disorder is a Didn't musician. did panic turn into badgers? Yeah. Okay. Yes, which is how this book starts. Okay, uh, but so Max I've is like batshit insane. Yes, so this is just proving how inured I am that the inciting incident is Max uh, burrowing into her house naked in a cupboard uh, because there are bears in there. And so she's like shifter bears. And so she's burrowing into her house uh, and then later in that scene turns into a two-ton badger house cat hybrid that almost kills somebody. That just, I think that's more reflecting on me than the book. But to get back to your point about Charlie and how I love Charlie very much, yeah. and to get back to the book about Charlie, she uh, got engaged, I think. 
I don't think she's married even still. To a big bear. To a grizzly bear shifter named Berg. Berg Berg Dunn. Berg Dunn. What a good fucking name for a bear shifter. Yeah. Big fingers gently stroked Charlie's cheek. (laughs) Everyone exhales. And she (laughs) smiled up at Berg Dunn. Her big grizzly bear. Literally. He could shift into a grizzly bear. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's just... Slightly unfortunate that bear is also a term for a very large, hairy gay man. Uh, they do reference that. Oh, they, good. Oh. Um, they do have bear nights at the club. And <laughs> Shelly takes the time to say actual bears, uh, which is very funny. She, I believe, if I remember correctly, it's the other kind of bear was on Thursdays or something like that. <laughs> so uh, she lives in the world. Um, Stevie is going into a panic. It's actually... I'm not, I don't have a panic disorder. I don't have an anxiety disorder. I have a wife who struggles with anxiety. Sorry to put you on the spot. But this is the- No, you've been around for a lot of panic attacks. I feel like you get to own this. Yeah, but not necessarily the (laughs) podcast audience. But still, um, this is possibly one of the more representative examples of a panic or anxiety where like you have a sort of, I call it the sober voice. Like you have the sober voice and it just can't win. Yeah. So this is Stevie going into a panic attack. Conflict this against the number of books who are like, she eliminated stress from her life and therefore did not have to worry about this anymore. Like shit. Yeah. Um, there are, this is Stevie's inner monologue. There are bears. There are bears. There are bears. Run away, run away, run away. She heard a rational voice attempt to reason with her irrational brain. You're fine. The bears are gone. You're safe. Just calm down. But she couldn't calm down. She couldn't listen to her rational voice. She couldn't stop herself from tearing into a home that did not belong to her. All she knew was that she was in great danger and she had to get away. By any means necessary. Oh, wait. That was from Malcolm X. Was that appropriation? That felt like appropriation. <laughs> Good God, what was happening to her? You are spiraling, her rational voice warned her. (laughs) That's so accurate. And she knew her rational side was right. She was spiraling, but she couldn't help it. Her system was in overload. Her meds had stopped working. And if she didn't get away, she would shift right in the house, destroying it and possibly half the neighborhood in the process. So she kept digging. Nothing would stop her from digging. And it's like, why? Of all the books we've read... (laughs) Does a 360-page shifter urban romance erotic twice book get anxiety and panic the best? My favorite part is the, like, the rational voice that says, you're spiraling, because that's exactly what happens to me. Is like, there's a part of my brain that knows exactly what's happening, and the rest of my brain is just whooshing around like a flushing toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's very funny that there are a number of ways that they try to adjust her, her panic disorder because they're trying to, you know, live with her in a way that she can crush them and whatever. Um, and so there are a number of ways that they try to distract her from panic instead of just trying to calm her down because that doesn't really work. Uh, and so she is naked and they're trying to push her into Shen, who is the the boyfriend. He's a panda shifter. It's it's very hilarious because he just wants to eat bamboo and like wrangle around on a ball all day. (laughs) And snuggle. Yeah, so she hates bears, but she loves pandas. And so she decides, we might get to that later. She decides that she is in a relationship with him and he just has to get over it because he's like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And it's it's pretty, pretty great. Sounds Um, pretty accurate. And so... (laughs) She says, let's get the princess into the car or something. Uh, And so she says, uh, this is, so the giant panda actually calling Stevie a princess did nothing but upset her because it wasn't true. She was not a princess. 
What are you yelling about back there? Shen barked at her from the driver's seat. Stevie blinked. Uh-oh, she'd said that out loud, hadn't she? She hated when she did that. Then stop doing it, Shen ordered. <laughs> <laughs> You're distracting me. Her eyes narrowed on his fat panda head. She was tempted to slap him right in the back of it. Kyle, uh, her friend, unbuckled their seat belt, his seatbelt and cu- turned so he could reach back and grab her hands, holding them in place. <laughs> so she... <laughs> she just keeps verbalizing it all. Yes. She kept saying it over and over again, which is very funny. Um, one of the best parts is that the sort of... there. I hate to say the inciting incident because there is no real plot to this book somebody asked them to do something within the first 20 percent that they eventually do in eight pages in the last 90 and the rest of it is them just living and they go around and one of the things that they do is they go to a shifter focused therapy and it's very funny because her sisters basically kidnap stevie to therapy and then they sit her down and the therapist tries to talk to stevie but charlie like trauma dumps onto the therapist basically about how their dad fucking sucks and is awful and it's all his fault and she's carrying all this stress with all these bears and everyone's trying to kill her and we always have to save her and everything and so the therapist is like cool 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 i'm gonna have my assistant see you two out while i talk to stevie and the assistant takes charlie to one room with max and then then she's talking and max is like yeah i don't know every single time somebody comes to save us like i have to slit their throat or whatever and like Charlie always tries to stop me from doing And so that doctor is like, cool, 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 cool. I'll get an assistant to show you out. So they're all three going to three different like therapists. And each one of them is a shifter talking to a shifter. And it's very funny. You don't see the other two therapists, unfortunately. Because it's pretty funny that the way they're like, nice. Yeah. Okay. This is now my project. Yeah. Um, this is going to take a while. I huh? think that's one of the things I love best about these books is that the McKilligan's in their narration and in every other narration is like, what the fuck is going on? Like every other shift is like, this is not normal. <laughs> um, and so they go to uh, blah, blah, blah. They go through their life and I can't really sum it up. They just live a life and do things. That's the rest of it. Uh, Shannon and Stevie start banging, I guess. Uh, they make fun of Stevie for having basically a flat ass and no tits, and but they still uh, do it a whole bunch. I mean, uh, do they? Because pandas historically have a hard time. Well, that's the thing. He references that I'm not in captivity or something, so I'm always <laughs> horny. <laughs> um, one of the things that I remember loving about the first book was the the bears were just like kind of sleepy and bumbling. Yes. And they were always like, uh, Charlie Everyone... was a stress baker. Yes. And they would always like raid her kitchen for food. That comes <laughs> up several times. The thing I love about this is that everybody is always the animal they shift into, which is normal, yeah. but it takes it to a very fun way where instead of the bears being like, oh, I'm very protective of my kids, which is what every other book would do. They're all very big and dumb and kind of yeah. clumsy. And so one of them smells like a, a burrito in somebody else's car and is like, oh, I can kind of almost fit my head in. And it's like, oh, I can't quite do it. Hold on. And like rips the door off. And it's like, oh, no. But anyway. <laughs> and like, it's very funny. Um, and so this is Stevie kind of settling on the fact that she's dating. Uh, Shen says, if I'm so annoying, I can take you back to your house. Stevie's head turned. Her mouth dropped open in shock. You would say that to me? I'm your girlfriend. He says, you're not my girlfriend. Stevie let out a disgusted sound. Keep up that attitude, mister, and I won't be. (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty funny, fun times. 
Uh, there's a, like, it goes on that one of the other things that happens is one of their relations dies, the McKilligan relations. And so a bunch of Scottish honey badgers, which is like, what? Uh, come to America. And so Der Katzengruppen, which is just German for the cat, the cat group. Council. The cat group. Yeah, the cat council. Uh, really wants to make sure they don't get out and start causing havoc or whatever because all these Irish gangsters plus honey badger can cause problems or whatever. And so they're watching the funeral and the the, the girls go the to the funeral and Shen uh, tries to eat bamboo during the funeral because he's a panda except bamboo is very crunchy. And so it's very, <laughs> very, very fucking funny because the way he gets it across, I didn't write down a page number, but the way he gets it across is that exact same scene you've seen in a movie, but very funny where like somebody's trying to be quiet while unwrapping a candy or whatever. Or like opening a bag of chips and eating a chip. Yeah, Yeah. and it makes it even worse where if you just like have done it all at once and popped it in your mouth, like people like, oh, whatever. But like... (laughs) And so uh, it's just very funny. Um, and then, uh, less than 50 pages to the end, they, uh, have shower sex again. Uh, there's only two sex scenes in this book, which is a little disappointing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, we get to page 370 out of 390 before they actually do the thing that's like (laughs) the plot of the book. So that's my big, my big sad part about this. I, I do feel like it's a testament to how good the writing is, like how fun the writing is and also how much you like these characters. Because normally, if you read a book that had pacing like that, you would be incensed about it. Absolutely. This is a good sign, but it's not good. Like, you shouldn't have done this. It is absolutely uh, so clear. Oh, Stevie goes on new meds that are four shifters, and that's why she's able to, like, handle herself. Because before, she was sort of a prop to the other two sisters. And that's why she's able to be a somewhat protagonist. I think Shen is the main protagonist in this, but uh, it, it speaks to how much I fucking love Charlie McKilligan because she's my favorite uh, person in all of fiction still. Because <laughs> she's the perfect amount of like kicks ass, handles things, solves a plot, is motivated, like is capable, but is fucked up and wrong a lot. And so it's that like perfect little thing where you're like, yes, you shouldn't have done that, but yes. <laughs> and so that that little, uh, I think this speaks a lot to Shelley Lawrence then, but also, remember the first time we read her and we were like, oh, that feels too, first, yeah, Bear Meets book, Girl. Bear Meets Girl was awful. We, you didn't finish it. No, I barely got into it. Uh, the woman from Bear Meets Girl, uh, Marcella Malone, yeah. Bare Knuckles Malone, uh, Marcella, Sella, Bare Knuckles, Malone, uh, <laughs> a, a character with three uh, nicknames, uh, shows back up in minor doses. And this does go back to a little bit of its bad habits where there are too many very short scenes. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to watch characters interact. And if we flip this many times, I can't really handle it. But at the end of the day... There's a very hot Asian man on the cover. And really, when you come down to it, what more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? I do want to come back to this uh, karaoke bar thing, though. Oh, yeah. Because, Katie, we've got our three sisters. I feel like Charlie is going to sing Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. But what is your pick for Max? 
I feel like you could really get into Max as a character. Yes, Katie's Max. High Max energy. Um, (laughs) Without having read the book and with having listened to the podcast on the first book a very long time ago, I feel like maybe one of the people that just overcommits and does Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I can see that. I, yeah. I could see Max also pulling out something like a, a All Eyes on Me by Tupac or Can't See Me. I, I, that was the other thing that I was going to say is like, or a, or she's going to rap. Um, I could but see, it has to be like one of the most violent possible things. I could things. see Stevie doing the thing where like, if you are actually a good musician, you want to sing a song that is like a, a musically good song, but does not wind up being a good song for karaoke, and everyone just gets kind of bored and tunes out. Well, Stevie is a musical prodigy, um, and so uh, she, this is also something stupid, she joins a soccer team, and she succeeds in it every single time. Because she understands physics, which means that therefore she knows how to kick a ball. No, you can understand physics conceptually and not have any idea of how to move your body. Like, and it's also a like real you know, person. you know that a goalie is there, right? Like it, it's not just a dummy. Like you kick it in a certain way, they get a chance. But uh, uh, quote Stevie says that once you know how vocal cords work and how the laws of physics affect them, you can get your voice to sound almost any sound you want. No. So she sound she sings two very different vocal registers with the McKillingans backing her up, uh, and they're they're just pure energy. Because get this, uh, outside of the book, they they get, Susan. Yeah. Susan. Yeah. Uh, get this. Outside of the book, um, they went to a uh, musical prodigies karaoke night where there were no crowds because it really, when musical prodigies get together, they actually just wanted to perform for each other and just like get the pure Lame. performance. And so the sisters had practiced it all before, but they did get to smear it in the face of some several lioness shifters who had big fake titties. That sounds like what you're describing is like a form of masturbation. Right? Like a so, bunch of musical prodigies getting together and singing jerk. for each other. Hey. Who's to say? <laughs> this is also an erotica novel, so maybe. There's only two sex scenes. It made me mad. Like, you I'm did, here. You did seem like you were having a pretty good time reading this one, though. No, it was funny. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But you're going to say something, like, in a badger way. With that man on the cover? With this cover? There's two sex scenes. Yeah, he's got those nice little like finger lines on the sides of his abs. Serratus anterior. It's yeah, a boxer's it, they're muscle. very nice. Yes, very, very much so. Uh, which is very funny because the guy, the Shen in the book, who I'm led to uh, believe this is because it's an Asian yeah. man, Shen's Chinese, uh, has a big round head because he's a panda. And this guy very much does <laughs> no, not. There is, this guy's very sharp. There is nothing round about that man. He looks like a swimmer on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and Shen often uh, lays or like hangs from a tree upside down <laughs> and eats bamboo. Like one of the reasons Stevie loves him is because Stevie has spent her entire life trying to be picked up by other ambitious people. Like she's very smart. She's very ambitious. And so she's always being picked up by other ambitious people that basically want to show off to her all the time. Yeah. And so she eventually hooks up with this panda who's like, if it were up to me, like, I don't do this bodyguard job because it's important. Like, it pays well, so I get to watch TV, like, half the time. Yeah, I just want to hang out and eat. So he's very lazy. I did enjoy that little bit about it. But anyway, that's Bibliovile, baby. That's Bibliovile, baby. That's Bibliovile, baby. Oh, you wouldn't even know. <laughs> season two. Season two. That's a wrap. wrap on season two. Oh my, my gosh. 
Well, I feel like with uh, 14 minutes left and a guest, we have to come up with a fake Bibliovile book to write oh, or God. like to do something with before we get back to the actual season. I haven't finished writing either of the fake Bibliovile books we've prepped before. But here's how it's going to work. I don't know. And you're really putting me on the spot with this. I don't. Okay. One of us has to name like a genre. One of us has to name a complication, like a subgenre. And one of us has to name a third thing. Well, I I was thinking like come up with like a genre and a title and then one sentence at a time construct a plot. Oh no, I but, hate that. Oh game. yes, okay. No. I, I did, I did improv in high school. So she, she, I'm the only one who didn't. Um, okay, here we go. Susan, you're gonna name the genre. I'll name the first word and Katie will name the second word of the title because everything always has two word titles. Okay. Okay? And then we'll come up with a plot for it. It's gotta be urban fantasy. Urban fantasy. All right. Dead. First thought, best thought, Katie. Come on. Well, my first thought was dead werewolves. <laughs> dead werewolves. Susan. Uh, can I come up with the setting? Sure. Okay, this is going to, dead werewolves is going to be you say set Atlanta. in Appalachia. Appalachia. All right. Like urban rural, fantasy in Rural <laughs> West Ver- Yeah, I guess it's not really urban fantasy. Modern chip, sci-fi shifter or whatever. Because it can't be urban fantasy if it's set in Appalachia. Yeah, but you said both urban fantasy and Appalachia. This is not like you There's solving a, a problem. There's a city in Appalachia. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's okay. a werewolf city in Appalachia. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Turg Bendvort. B-E-N-D space V-O-O-R-T. Okay. Turg, whatever I said. Turg Benvort. Turg Benvort is a uh, werewolf private eye. Oh, no. And has a secretary who is also his niece that does not know the werewolf part, but knows the private eye part. What's What's the niece's name, Susan? Oh, the niece's name. It, you can't do this to me. I have pregnancy brain. Um, the niece's name. Arguably, is... that makes this better. Yeah. First thought, best thought. Branson Reese. Come on, think Branson Reese. Here we go. Someone help me out. Here. Kirkland is the niece. Kirkland. <laughs> Kirkland. <laughs> Um, Steph Kirkland. Steph Kirkland. Okay. All right. Steph Kirkland is the niece. Uh, to t- Turg Vendbort's uh, private eye, and he finds out that werewolves are being killed mid shift, which is hard to do. That is really hard to do. So he's the private eye. She's the niece. Is so who's gonna have a love interest? Is it gonna be him or her? I think there's a B plot about him having an, uh, or no, her having a love interest, but he sucks. Yes. And and then uh, Turg has to save her. Yes. Okay. Uh, she recently got engaged. Ooh. Ah, uh, and Turg is like the surrogate father in this situation, okay. and he does not approve. Okay. So scummy, scummy fiance. Um, does scummy fi- so she does not know anything about the werewolves does scummy fiance know about the werewolves uh that's why he's dating her is because he has an inkling about or he's trying to marry her is because he has an inkling about the werewolves he's trying to get into the community capital c community so he can find out he's not the killer though 
Yeah, that's I was gonna the, say that would be too herring. that would be too easy. So everyone expects he's gonna be the killer. Yeah, that's the red does, herring. Does uh does Turk think that he's the killer? A little bit. Yeah. He intimidates him. Uh but as Katie will point out, things get a little bit more complicated. They get more complicated when a murder goes down at Turg's ex's bar. Ooh. Of course, she owns a bar. Yeah. One of the members of the council is killed. Yes. Ooh, the council. And the name of the bar is? Uh, Flat Jackets. Flat Jackets. <laughs> I was going to say Der Unterhaus, but Flat Jackets works love it. too. I, love I was it. thinking Fat Tire, Flat Jackets. That's a very good. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. This is good stuff. What's the murder weapon at Flat Jackets? So a murder weapon for a were like a, a werewolf leader. So it's got to be something. Silver. Has to be. I mean, a gun with a silver bullet is a little too trite. I think. What about a silver crucifix? Cru- do crucifixes work on werewolves? It's silver, baby. Could be a cr- silver crucifix shot out of a crossbow. Put the oh. emphasis on cross. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that we'll put that on the back of the book. <laughs> emphasis on cross. Yeah. So a silver, <gasps> literal crossbow bullet. Twist ending. Yeah. Cross bolt, by the way. But Chris, twist ending. This fucking vampire who killed him, <gasps> and he nearly died doing it. But mm. it was the it was how he got him off their trail. Because a, a vampire can't possibly do this. So they immediately ruled out the vampires yeah. and didn't even look into it. But here's how it worked. Right as it was about to shoot out of the crossbow, it came, like, the parts of the crossbow uh, crossbow created the crop. Like, it <gasps> came together from the sides and oh. shot it out. So only for that brief little moment did the vampire feel the sting of the crucifix. It's a good twist when you think about it's a good it. good twist when you think about it. But Turg gets him because Turg is able to, Katie. He has, uh, like, you know, like, all werewolves have, like, the heightened sense of smell. Mm-hmm. He also has, like, like a heightened sense of touch that goes, like, above all other werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and the chosen detect- one. He's the chosen one and can detect cold spots. Mm-hmm. And vampires are notoriously cold. It's one of the four elements. And so the main antagonist, Susan, does what? Um, our main antagonist, are we talking the fiance or no, main antagonist, we're talking the killer? Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Good. And I'm using this, this thing euphemistically. Good vamping. Until <laughs> you're able to find out an answer. I forgot what the question was because I got distracted by my vamping. <laughs> What's the antagonist do to try and get out of it? Ooh. Well, so here's my question. Does everyone know about the existence of the vampires? Yeah, it's a werewolf city. But the the, the niece, niece doesn't. doesn't know about the werewolves, so does she know about the vamps? No. Okay. Um, I hate to do the that niece just, The niece just moved into town. That's right, because okay. her mom died. Yeah. Thanks to a flesh-eating bacteria. <gasps> the vampire's her father. The vampire's her father. Ooh, and that's he's trying good. to get her. He was trying, when he thinks about it, he's trying to save her from the fiance. So that means that she's part vampire too. Part but vampire, part, part werewolf. werewolf. So she's what if she's actually the chosen, chosen one? one. Exactly. She's the she's chosen the one. all along. All right. So she's she's definitely the chosen but Turn one. But Tug thinks he's the chosen one. How do we? But he doesn't want to be. How do we eventually break up the couple? The couple of what? The fiance and the niece. Oh, he just gets beat up by Turg. Because they right. find out he's trying to find out about the werewolves. Okay. 
she's got it. We we have to give her a happy ending though. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not she goes like to that. a massage she, parlor. She <laughs> meets one of the bartenders at the ex's bar. Ooh, okay. As Turg, what was that again? Uh, the flat jacket. Very nice. Uh, as Turg and the ex are having like a tender moment, and she comes in to come talk to her uncle and meets uh, one of the bartenders, and they just really hit it off, and he's. He's a really nice guy. Okay. So we then she winds up starting something with a guy that her uncle can approve of, which is good. She's the chosen one. It's good that she was able to date somebody. What's that guy's name? If only Ooh. there were six names somewhere close to this. Seymour. Heller. Seymour Heller. Seymour Heller. <laughs> Uh, he's a demon. Like, yes, I was going to say, he's got to be something. Like a succubus? An incubus. Thank An you incubus. Much. Sorry, I All forget right. which one is the and boy. And we hold for a uh, uh, sequel as we find that out as he drains the vampire's hellish powers. <gasps> That's some good Season shit. three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm with that in mind. Thank you so much, Susan, for doing Bibliovile with me. This is very stupid. Thank you for doing Bibliophile with me. And Katie, thanks for joining us Thanks tonight. for joining us, Katie. This is great. It was me. very fun. Uh, my name is uh, Mick Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Dickie Ma. Uh, I'm Katie Twaddle. You can find me on Twitter at KT Frazier, which is my writer name. And I'm Susan Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. And the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Keep your eye on the space over the next couple of weeks. We have some stuff to tide over. And we'll find some other stuff, possibly, who knows, movies, Prominently featuring Katie Twaddle. Katie Twaddle, yeah. She'll show up. Get used to that voice. Slightly closer to the microphone. We love you. Good happy night. Uh, happy uh, having a baby, Susan. Yay, baby. Ha, ba, that's, that's-